Hello, Bay Talk Podcast with Caroline, where we speak with local businesses and keep up to date with all things local in Sydney's inner west. Hi, I'm Caroline, host of the show and founder of Bay Talk. Special thanks to my son Richard for producing the intro music. Today I am joined by Amira, founder of Your Money Habit. Your Money Habit aims to help people experience the benefits that come from making smarter money choices, which can be easier said than done. Hi Amira, thanks for coming and spending the time with me today to, to share your knowledge about how to make smarter decisions with our money. Thank you for having me. So I recently read your blog, um, Time to Get Those Finances in Order. Yeah. In this blog, yeah, you debunk many myths about money and I'd like to go through these with you. The first myth was, if I earn a little bit more, I won't have any money problems. Yeah, so uh, number one thing, whenever I ask people about what will solve their money problems, the first thing will be if I had more money. The question, though, is how many people have won money, um, inherited money, got a pay rise, um, pay multiple times, um, got better paying jobs, and they still have money problems? So Mm -hmm. it, it has nothing to do with that. I will say for sure... If you're in a really, really low income and you can't meet your like base, you know, rent, you're not living anywhere fancy, of course, more money is definitely going to make a difference. But for the most part, people earn plenty, but they just spend plenty as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the bigger the budget, the bigger your desires, I guess. And I guess the more expensive your taste. (laughs) I think it's also, and you're probably going to ask me about that afterwards, is um, a lack of a, a vision or a goal. So we just tend to entertain ourselves by being busy and buying stuff and it makes us feel, I guess, less, uh, what's the right word for it? Um, not less upset, but just less focused on what we feel like we're missing. So I guess that's something that we will discuss later on when you've mentioned comfort shopping. So that would fall in in with that type of spending, which I think we're all prone to. And um, I know, well, I know I am. I shouldn't speak for everyone else, but um, yeah. Well, I'd say a good portion of people are, and that's the first thing. You know what? There's nothing wrong with spending and living, of course. You've got to have fun. But I also say, are you really having fun getting further into debt or going through your savings or not savings or not actually getting any closer to what you truly want, mm. which that's a whole nother subject right there. Well, that's about what another, you want. One of your, another one of your myths is that budgeting means no fun. And so you've addressed that saying, but having money worries isn't much fun either. No, it's not, but it is a good distraction. And it's also not to offend anybody, but it's also a pretty good excuse. I can't get where I want to go because I don't have any money. So it's kind of like this vicious cycle that we don't actually see that we're in the middle of. Okay. And what about um, another another myth is small amounts don't count. So what about, you know, all the little incidentals, you grab a coffee, oh, grab a yeah. bar, I'm a sucker for lipsticks when they're on special. I've got so many. What's your response when people say that small amounts don't count? I think pretty much everyone that I start working with will tell me, oh, it's just $10, it's just $20. Mm. 
I said, okay, so let's actually work this out. In particular, I usually use this story only because it seems so shocking, but most people are doing it just like with a different shopping habit, right? Mm -hmm. So I had um, a client that would go to the petrol station for snacks and drinks. I'm not talking about petrol. Petrol is completely a separate thing. So we'd stop in multiple times per day for snacks and drinks. And that ended up, so I had them go through that because we've got to come up with an allowance per week for people because you, you have to have some spending money, but what's it going to be? So it turns out that they were spending $200 a week wow. on snacks and drinks, and which equals almost $10,500. And that was only in $10 here, $20 there. It's just $10. It's just $20. But it actually adds up to $200 a week which is $10,500 a year. Now, a lot of people will say, I can't afford to go to the dentist. I can't afford to take that holiday. You know, I can't afford whatever it happens to be, the, you know, the car servicing or whatever. That's $10,500. What if we just brought the the shopping, the snacks and drinks down to say $2,500 We've still got $8,000 to do those other things you say you can't afford. Gosh, and it's actually, it must be quite shocking for people. What are people's reactions to that when they sort of realise how much money they've been spending without realising it? I hate to say this, but most people feel sick to their stomach. Yeah. And they'll often say to me, I can't believe I've done this. I feel so sick about it. And my response is this, do you know what? I understand that, but we can't change anything. All we can do is move from this path, you know, forward. Um, There's absolutely nothing you can do to take it back. And worrying about it isn't going to make any difference. It's just going to keep you stuck, you know, and then you beat yourself up and then it's like, oh, what have I done? Well, it's just time to let it go and move on. I'm actually relating it to the, um, you know, they call them the secret eaters, where you don't realise how much you've actually eaten throughout throughout the day. And so you meant to write it down and that you know just how many calories you've wasted. I think it's like mothers who think that um, uh, eating their kids' leftovers doesn't count. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're all guilty of that. That's true, yeah. And the final myth that you debunked is that budgets, um, people say budgets are set and forget. So it's one thing to prepare a budget, but it's not much use if you just file it away in a drawer or keep it on the computer and never look at it. That's completely true. And I think that uh, one of the things is I completely disagree with this whole concept of how people are being... uh, taught to to budget or this idea that we have in our how to budget it's so it's so old school it doesn't really work for us anymore and that's something else that I talk about in in other um you know webinars and stuff that I do if you think about how our life has changed in 50 years okay so we had minimum costs uh we had usually got paid by one employer and it was usually in cash 
You know, we didn't have all these added expenses. I mean, no one was paying for internet and a bunch of mobile phones and pay TVs and, you know, there's now there's PayPal and cryptocurrency and you name it, we've got it, right? So how on earth is a system that worked 50 years ago going to help us now, right? So, so that's, that's the first issue. Maybe maybe set and forget work then because you just would, you know, every week you'd assign your money amounts and off you go, but it doesn't really work anymore. So the thing is, I guess, that people make up this, usually they think Excel plan or a piece of paper or something, shove it in the drawer and completely forget what they're supposed to do. Uh, I don't actually agree that even if you kept it out, that was going to help you anyway. But anyway, that's a whole nother story there. So I guess you have to, like, like again, with the eating, you've got to really want to do it for it to, to work. Would that be true? You have to be committed, but I think you have to be also willing to get a little uncomfortable because it is going to get uncomfortable and changing habits is going to get uncomfortable. But yeah. once again, are you not really uncomfortable in the situation that you're in now anyhow? Yeah, exactly. So it's really just people don't stay at something long enough to make a difference. This is really a lifestyle change. And in the beginning, it is going to be challenging. It's going to be hard, which is where I come in and the other spending planners is because most people will stop before they actually get any results. What um, This wasn't something I was going to ask you, but what is the average age group? Like, Do you get the young ones when they're in or is it? No, I tend to work with people who are in their 40s and 50s. Okay. So I have worked with some young people and I've worked with some people who are older than that. Um, they're late 60s and early 70s. Uh, because I hate to say this, that your money habits and your money stories and mindsets don't just disappear one day. They're still there. <laughs> and in fact, they actually get worse with time. And you actually lose more trust in yourself. Um, you, don't, you don't believe a word you say. So if you try to tackle it again, you go, well, I'm just going to fail because Okay. I haven't kept my word in the last 40 years. Why would I do it now? Only now. You know, so having somebody with you going, you've got to keep going definitely helps. But I think back to the set and forget, the thing is we have to keep on track of it every week, but we can get it down to about five, 10 minutes so that you know that you're on track. Okay. And with people that come and see you, what are the main problems that people have? The main problem is living payday to payday, not having any savings. Um, I'd, I'd say most people would assume that everybody's in massive amounts of debt or broke, but that's actually not true. Uh, some people definitely have those credit cards and loans, but for the most part, I'd say that people have no money left over because they're spending it all each pay. And when it comes to, you know, bigger bills like your rego or your insurances and stuff like that, they go, hang on, there's no money for that. So what should you do then to, when the big ones come up once a year, what should you do to be prepared for it? I mean, it seems 
logical that you put a big side <laughs> for the big bill. <laughs> well, actually, there's a lot of big bills that people never prepare for. So one thing that people never do for the most part is they never have a plan for repairing their appliances and their cars and stuff, getting new tires or replacing them. And they all have a lifetime, like they have a, a certain expectant lifespan. And most people never put money aside for that. So essentially it comes down to having the correct plan and knowing how much money you need to put away every week for these once a year things, but also the things that you might have to get in 10 years. Think about it. If you need a fridge and uh, you're going to need it in say eight years, it's way easier to save a thousand dollars over an eight year period than to go, uh Oh, the fridge just died. Where am I getting the money from? Mm. So it's, and you know how I said that those little amounts don't don't count in terms of spending them? Well, if you reverse that, all those little bits that you save up to put towards the rego and the insurances and replacing the fridge, they actually do add up. Yeah. So they add up to you having the money to go and pay them and actually negotiate better deals because you've got the money right there. And I guess the thing also with things like your bigger points is like your fridge, washing machine and that, if you're buying them all around the same time, they're probably going to die all around the same time as well. And so you've got to exactly. at the worst time. <laughs> and mostly people took credit out to buy them in the first place and then don't have any plan for when they're going to need to replace them. So I definitely, I go through all of that with people as well so that we've got a really long-term plan for that. Mm -hmm. It's usually more challenging the first time, but once that's been put in place, the next time, if you think about it, it's actually easier because you have to save less then because you're already on track. Yeah. Yeah. And what about what we mentioned before, comfort shopping? Ah, comfort shopping. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while, but I'm also the type of person who is, I'm just obsessed by why we do what we do and how we can change it when it doesn't work for us. So what I find is that the more stressed you are, the more you will shop. Because I, you are trying to distract yourself from the things that are bothering you. And there's also this little, um, so tell me if this happens to you since you, said you, you do things like this yeah. you go out shopping and just as you're about to buy something you kind of get really excited it's like this dopamine hit that you get right mm -hmm. and you get all excited you've got that new shiny thing you know and then you get home and generally then the guilt sets in so it was fun for a little while then the guilt sets in you go what have I done oh yeah <laughs> and, and then off we go with the let me beat myself up and then you get more stress you go buy something else or go out to dinner that you really shouldn't be doing or whatever it is right and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse which is why I said that as you get older it actually gets worse not better yeah I see there there has been many of times that and it, you know you say as you get older it gets worse not better but I I kind of think in some ways that I have gained more self-control that I can nearly get to the counter and there'll be a line 
And that's almost like, oh, thank goodness for that, because now I can actually put it back on the rack and walk out. And that feeling of relief, because there was a line, or there's a big line in the changing room. And so you manage to dodge a bullet. Well, that sort of is meaning that you're becoming self-aware that you're doing it and you're trying to intervene. But for people who aren't, they just, the feelings of, uh, what's the right word for it? Um, Just of that stress just gets worse and worse and worse. And the more that you do it, you get overwhelmed and you just don't know how to climb back out again. So, with people wanting to engage um, in your services and they, they, so they pick up the phone, they give you a call. What can you talk me through? What's the process? What happens? Do they, you meet up with them, discuss, like, how does it work? Yeah, so I definitely uh, talk through uh, what they're hoping to achieve because there's no use telling everybody that you can help them if it's not right for them. Um, We want to set people up for success, not failure. (laughs) So then we would talk through what they're they're trying to achieve and what's going on for them. Uh, And once we decided on all of that, we start through this process of gathering all the information we need about your current bills, um, currently what you spend shopping, all of that sort of stuff. And actually have this specialised software program that we enter all this information into. We start with the priority things and then we work it out to those long-term things I was talking about. Uh, And so once we do that, that usually takes about a month. And there is a reason for that. If we overwhelm people, they can't take it. You know, it's it's all too much. Uh, And your brain doesn't like to change, so we do bite-sized pieces you know we tackle this this week this the next week and on we go so then we end up with the plan and then we go into this process of what we call monitoring so every week we teach you how to live to compare the plan which is pretty much like getting your bank account in advance and then we compare that to the bank account so If the plan and the bank account match up, we know that we're on track. If the plan is working, of course, we keep going until the plan does work. Mm -hmm. And then if they match up, we're on track. If they don't match up, it means that we've either forgotten something, um, uh, we've entered in the wrong dates or the wrong amounts, or the other issue is that we haven't kind of figured out what's making you spend when you shouldn't be spending. So that gives us an opportunity for some self-reflection. And we keep going and going and going until towards the end, we work on the long-term planning as well. And, And during that process, you're actually changing your habits. Actually, I guess with what you're saying is not sure what's going to be spent if there's somebody that's got addictions, there would be that problem there, whether, you know, cigarettes or alcohol, gambling or something. Unfortunately, very- I have walked into that as well. And I am, I can definitely deal with the, the financial bit, but then that's, then it's like, okay, then we need to do something about that. Um, so looking at professional services as well. Yeah. And that definitely helps. 
because they don't help you with their finances and I don't help you with your addiction. Exactly. But you are in quite a, a nice, um, you know, a nice position though that you can maybe get these people to address their addiction because they see how much it's affecting their money. It could actually be an eye-opening for them. I don't, I'm not sure, but I was just, just thinking out loud that it could be a nice little thing that gets people to go and get help. Uh, it can be, um, but they have to be willing as well. Yeah. And if they're not, then that sort of changes the situation a little bit. I'm definitely not equipped to deal with people's addictions. Um, no. So then I would probably say it's, you know, un unless you're willing to work on that, then I don't think it's a good idea that we stay working together. Yeah. Because you're not going to get the desired results if you don't address those actual issues. Yeah. But I mean, it is, that, that's the beauty of this is that we get to, I get to work on this part. And then we've got all these other wonderful professionals out there that can help you tackle some of the other things that we're going to notice during this process. And sometimes for a lot of times I can, you know, get through these things. But when it's really tough, then, you know, you may need um, therapists or uh, debt management um, people come in to negotiate things for you. Uh, once you're actually doing well and you've tackled this whole basic planning, then financial planners and wealth creators are really great. Yeah. But okay. they, um, they will like create a small power, budget eh? for you but they won't help you stick to it and they won't help you address the why you're not sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, that's where you'll come in. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of, you know, it's really helpful to work with other people as well during this process yeah. and a lot of people have. Now, if people want to get in contact with you to use your services, what's the best way? Are you happy to give um, your number and I can put the link to your website, et cetera, um, on the podcast? Yeah, so... I've got my um, phone number, I've got email. I think most people prefer to email or text, that's fine. Um, you can find me on Facebook as well, send me a message. There's multiple ways that you could do it. Well, I guess whatever you prefer. Okay. I know most I people don't like to pick up the phone and ring, so. Mm -hmm. I'll put all the details then down for people so that they can get hold of you. Um, if they decide that they're gonna take the plunge and get their money habits sorted. <laughs> Let me tell you this. It is very scary at the beginning. And uh, if anyone's interested, I have a couple of clients that were brave enough to actually do a video testimonial. And they'll tell you that they were very scared. Uh, yeah. But what they realized is that once you get beyond that fear and you take the plunge, it's actually much nicer over that side. Yeah, I'm sure. Look, thank you so much for your time today. And um, I really hope that we get to help, well, that you get to help some other people from um, listening to this podcast and that they take the plunge and, and give you a call. Well, thank you for your time. Thank it's you. Been fun. <laughs>